Welcome to The Partial Historians. We explore all the details of ancient Rome. Everything from the political scandals, the love affairs, the battles waged, and when citizens turn against each other. I'm Dr. Rad. And I'm Dr. G. We consider Rome as the Romans saw it, by reading different authors from the ancient past and comparing their stories. Join us as we trace the journey of Rome from the founding of the city. Welcome to the partial recap for the 430s BCE. I'm Dr. G. And I'm Dr. Rad. And this is our highlights edition of the 430s in Rome. We'll take you through from 439 to 430 in an epitome of our normal episodes. Perfect for those mornings when you don't want some lengthy rhetoric with your coffee. But please be warned, the Roman world is a violent one. Get ready for a re-cappuccino. BCE. In 439 BCE, the consuls were Agrippa Menenius Lanatus and Titus Quinctius Capitolinus Barbatus. Rome was still having issues with their grain supply in 439 BCE. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say that they were having issues with the man who had tried to solve the grain crisis. And to be honest, the dates are blurry here. This is more 439 and 438. An equestrian named Spurius Malius had used his private fortune to secure desperately needed corn, something that the officially appointed prefect of corn supply, Lucius Minucius, had failed to do. Spurius Malius had allegedly been using his success with the grain to curry favour and, after carefully building support amongst the plebs, install himself as monarch. Funnily enough, Minucius was the one to uncover this dastardly plot. Jealous much? This may somehow connect to another version of events we have in which the people overthrew Minucius and put Malius in his place. In this time of crisis, the Romans turned to Cincinnatus, that old warhorse. Or did they? Officially, Cincinnatus was made dictator and chose Gaius Civilius Ahala, whose name means Gaius Civilius Armpit, as the master of the horse. Depending who you believe, Ahala was either just a random elite man who was given senatorial approval to kill Malius, or he was sent by Cincinnatus to arrest the scheming Spurius. When Spurius decided not to go quietly, and when he screamed for help from the nearby plebs, Ahala decided to murder him on the spot. Naturally. (laughs) Ahala and a band of young patricians reported the crime to Cincinnatus, who was thoroughly pleased that Malius was dead. The populace were less thrilled, and Cincinnatus summoned an assembly to explain exactly how Malius's murder went down. With Rome safe again, Malius's house was torn down. Too much evil plotting had gone down in there to leave it standing, 
It became a memorial named the Aquamalium to commemorate whatever he was supposedly doing. The rest of his property was donated to the public treasury. Again, according which account you believe, some other traitors, flesh rabbits, may have found their heads detached from their bodies and displayed in the forum. In the aftermath of the Spurious Melius debacle, Lucius Manucius was given an ox and a gilded statue outside the Porta Trigamina. He may also have been made a plebeian and an 11th tribune of the plebs, just to keep an eye on them after this attempted coup business, but even Livy is unsure about this one. The tribunes certainly weren't pleased that Benucius was being honoured, so they pushed to have military tribunes with consular power in 438 BCE. Come on, pleb power! Ahala did not fare as well as Manucius, going into self-imposed exile. Wink. Looking to delve deeper into the details of 439 BCE, check out our episode 127, The Assassination of Spurius Malius. BCE. In 438 BCE, the military tribunes with consular power were Mamercus Aemilius, Lucius Quintius Cincinnatus, and Lucius Julius Ullus. If the idea to have military tribunes with consular power is to allow non-elite Romans into the politics, then we can call this year a fail. These guys are all <coughs> patricians. <laughs> It's a tough time in Rome because the Roman colony of Fidene decided to revolt and side with the Etruscan city of Vey, led by King Lars Tolumnius. Disaster! To make matters worse, the Fidenates ended up murdering the ambassadors that the Romans sent to sort out this mess. Lars Tolumnius may have had something to do with this, but it is all very murky. The four slain ambassadors received statues which were erected at the public expense in Rome, lest we forget. Methinks the Romans have vengeance on their mind. Jump into episode 128, Mopping Up Malius, to catch all the details. BCE. In 437 BCE, the consuls were Marcus Gaganius Masserinus and Lucius Sergius Fidinus. Rome was in crisis mode, so no one was causing issues at home. But a dictator was clearly needed, and Mamercus Aemilius was chosen for the job. Lucius Quintius Cincinnatus, some of the famous Cincinnatus, was selected as master of the horse. During the emotionally charged battle that followed, a really ridiculously good-looking tribune from the Roman cavalry named Aulus Cornelius Cossus distinguished himself. 
Determined to make his family name proud, Cossus decided to take down the King of Vey. Tolumnius was wreaking havoc for the Romans, but not once Cossus was finished with him. Cossus did not just kill Tolumnius, he decapitated him. The Etruscans lost their nerve after the death of their king and were defeated. Cossus became known as the first man since King Romulus to defeat an enemy leader in single combat, and he dedicated his spoils to Jupiter Feratrius. The Senate and the people agreed. All of this glory added up to a triumph for our dictator. BCE. In 436 BCE, the consuls were Lucius Papirius Crassus and Marcus Cornelius Maliginensis. What a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> the year began with some raids into enemy territory. We're in familiar grounds now with the Romans. And the Romans took some booty, both human and animal, from they and the Feliscans, those bastards. The enemy was presumably busy licking their wounds, and so there was no actual battle to be had. At least no battles before Romans were struck down by a pestilence. Not to be stopped by disease, Spurius Malius, a relative of our grain-loving murder victim, decided to use his power as tribune of the plebs to prosecute Lucius Minucius and to confiscate the property of Servilius Ahalar. Crazily, the people seem to have been quite indifferent to his efforts. Perhaps it was the worsening pestilence. 435 BCE In 435 BCE, the consuls were Caius Julius and Lucius Virginius. After all that pesky illness, the patricians and plebeians were ready for a peaceful year. But the people of Fidene had other ideas. Fidene and Vey teamed up to create terror for the Romans, with their pillaging reaching the very gates of Rome. You know what this means. It's time for a dictator. Quintius Servilius was made dictator with Posthumus Abutius Helva as master of the horse. Any male who could fight was called up and a battle ensued near Nomentum. The enemy retreated into the city of Fidene, which was a hard nut to crack, but Servilius was no ordinary military strategist. Using clever diversionary tactics, he managed to seize control of the city. <laughs> Back in Rome, the censors approved a new public building, fittingly called the Villa Publica. This would be used to take the census. Just as exciting as siege warfare, clearly. Censors know how to party. <laughs> they build a house for the very same. BCE. 
Now things get pretty confusing around 4.34. The first problem, there seems to have been two sets of consoles. The consoles are variously listed as Gaius Julius Ullus and Lucius Virginius Tricostus, or Marcus Manlius Capitolinus and Quintus Sulpicius Camerinus Praetextatus. So much Latin. So, you know, so much Latin, no overlap (laughs) of names. And to make matters even worse, there were also three military tribunes with consular power listed for this year as well. Servius Cornelius Cossus, Marcus Manlius Capitolinus, and Quintus Sulpicius Camerinus Praetextatus. And yes, you're definitely starting to hear some overlapping names. <laughs> this year was simply lousy with magistrates. The sources themselves seem quite confused over who was running the place. But whoever was in charge, they soon found themselves replaced by a dictator. Mamercus Emilius and his master of the horse, Aulus, or Aulus, I should say, Postumius Tubertus. Mamercus was called in because it seemed like war might break out with Vey and some of their allies, but it all fizzled quite quickly. Mamercus therefore decided that he was going to change some things at home. He focused his attention on the censorship. These guys were too powerful. A law was proposed that would limit the censorship to a year and a half. The people were giddy with delight, but the censors now saw Mamercus as public enemy number one. They kicked him out of his tribe and drastically increased his tax bill. <laughs> Ouch. Hell no, no fury like a censor scorned. <laughs> what is this tax? It's just for you, my friend. <laughs> Lucky for the censors, Mamercus was content to take this one on the chin. Or they may have found some of his devoted fans waiting for them in the forum with baseball bats and switchblades. BCE. In 433 BCE, the military tribunes with consular power were Marcus Fabius Vibulanus, Marcus Folius Flacinator, and Lucius Servius Fidinus. The tribunes of the plebeians decided that this was a good year to start some trouble. They tried to block the consular elections, and the Romans were apparently close to having to move to an interregnum. A compromise was reached and military tribunes with consular power were elected instead. But none of the men chosen were plebeians. (sighs) The best laid plans. More political shenanigans may have ensued, but a serious epidemic struck the city. So serious that a temple was given to Apollo on behalf of the people's health. But many people died and the Romans were worried that widespread death would lead to famine, which would lead to more death. So they started searching high and low for grain, which they could stockpile.
32 BCE, and we're back with some military tribunes with consular power. Lucius Pinarius Mamercus, Lucius Furius Medulinus, and Spurius Postumius Albus Regulensis. The disease that had affected the population in the previous year started to ease up, and the Romans did not have to add famine to their list of worries, as they were so damn organized. <laughs> All of that stockpile grain come in handy. <laughs> there were murmurings of war between Etruscans, the Volscians, and Aquians, and Rome, but it was decided to postpone any conflict for a year. <laughs> The Tribune of the Plebs started strategizing about how they could get a plebeian elected as military tribune with consular power. It was crazy that only patricians had been elected so far. Somehow, this led to a law being proposed by the tribunes that political candidates were not allowed to whiten their toga. In other words, no advertising the fact that you were running for office with your very shiny, very white toga candida. To avoid dirty plebeians winning any more power, the patricians made sure that consuls were on the cards for the following year. BCE. In 431 BCE, the consuls were Titus Quinctius Poenus Cincinnatus and Caius or Naeus Iulius Mento, and they apparently hated each other. The consuls really needed a strong army this year, so a levy was held under Alexicrata, which meant that anyone who offended against this law was sucker to the gods. The Aquians and the Volscians set up their camps at Mount Orgidus and seemed to have strong armies in the field. The Romans were spooked or defeated in battle and didn't want to talk about it. And the Senate decided to appoint a dictator. After all, so many young Romans had perished in the plague and the consuls were not a great team. However, the consuls did agree that a dictator was a terrible idea. In desperation, Quintus Servilius Priscus, an elite Roman, appealed to the tribune of the plebs and asked them to force the consuls to name a dictator. The consuls were livid, but finally it was decided by lot that Titus Quintius should choose the dictator. Quintus selected his father-in-law, Aulus Postumius Tibertus, a.k.a. the face of stone. Lucius Julius was named master of the horse. A levy was declared, and the Romans were ordered to focus all of their attention on the war effort. Posthumius was just what the campaign needed. With his team of fellow elites, they managed to defeat both the Aquians and the Volscians. The only downer was the possible execution of Aulus Posthumius's son. On his father's orders, the face of stone strikes again! But nobody wants to believe this story. As a parting blow to his colleague... Gnaeus Iulius dedicated the Temple of Apollo without consulting his colleague Quintius. How rude!
30 BCE. In this year, the consuls were Lucius Papirius Crassus and Lucius Julius Ullus. A new law was introduced this year called the Papira Julia, which changed the valuation of fines by changing how they decided to count cattle. Those Romans. Will the excitement never end when it comes to their lawmaking? After their disastrous defeat in the previous year, the Aquians, surprise, surprise, managed to secure an eight-year truce with Rome. Ah, the bliss of peace. The Volscians, on the other hand, were distracted by their own internal dispute, which made for an unusually peaceful end to the decade. the 430s in ancient Rome or was it wow that is the big question remember this has just been a highlights reel of the ancient sources and the decade that was so if you want to delve into the complexities of the different evidence from this period check out our narrative episodes you'd want to be jumping in at episode 127 the assassination of Spurius Malius to join us for a deep dive into the decade that was the 430s BCE. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Partial Historians. We'd like to send an extra special thank you to all of our supporters, especially our Patreons and our Ko-fi donators. Thank you so much for helping keep the show going. Until next time, we are yours in ancient Rome. <laughs>